Welcome to Executive Tools. Succession Planning Part 1, Baseball Cards. This cast answers these questions. How can I start succession planning in my organization? Does HR need to be involved in succession planning? How can I get insight into the talents and potential of my people? Well, if you want answers to these questions more, keep listening. Here we go. As you always say, our podcasts are timeless and not timely, but this yes. one, I guess this is both. It's both timely <laughs> and timeless. Yes. It's, it's delivered on a timely date during the early baseball season when the Dodgers are already in first place. Uh, <laughs> I had to mention the Giants, that. The Giants are in third. And, um, you know, having raided all the other teams in the National and American League for anybody who's good because we have money. Yeah. Um, and I've been, I watched a couple of baseball games and I've had this, this cast written like 20% and have just been so busy that I, I never got around to finishing it. So I was happy to finish it. That's good. For those you don't know, Mark's a big Dodgers fan because, matter of fact, his microphone this morning as we dialed in to have this call had a big Dodger cap on it. That's right. Um, and I am a big, uh, Giants fans. So the fact that Dodgers yeah. are in first place and Giants are in third place was a noteworthy thing to talk about. So sorry for us talking manager tools inside baseball. <laughs> oh, nice move. <laughs> okay. So let's get to what people really want to hear about. Yeah. Uh, su succession planning. It Succession planning can, um, it can be made out to be very complex and time consuming. And then it gets larded up with unnecessary initiatives and it becomes harder, and I think you have you have a way of of starting something robust pretty quickly and easily. Yeah. Now, look, if you're a frontline manager and you're listening to this, you can do some of this. There's nothing wrong with you having baseball cards on your folks and having them do it. Um, some of those people who don't really think about ever having a career, but will end up having one at the end of their working life. Uh, probably will push back a little bit. Um, so this won't be as useful at the lower levels. But if you're an executive, if you've got 60 to 100 managers in your organization, then absolutely you need to do it. You're significantly responsible for the near-term careers. You're not going to make somebody CEO unless you pick them as your successor. But the next couple of years, if you're not actively involved in where your people are going, somebody else will be. And you'll have somebody from HR reach down and pluck one of your people out of juicy position A for good position B when you absolutely need them in A for six more months. And the funny thing about this is, is you're, you're not actually given the responsibility. This is part of the, nah, pain and suffering is probably too strong a word. It's part of the slow creep of executive responsibilities. And most people mistakenly, in, in, in corporate organizations, mistakenly describe executives as people at the very, very top. But between being a senior manager or director all the way up to VP and senior VP and so on, there's a gradual creep in the increase of responsibilities. And often the reason why succession planning is not done by lower level executives is they don't know that they could and that they should um, in order to prepare their people and also to prepare themselves to be effective when they're asked to join 
the larger effort of the organization. So you're not given the responsibility clearly, but it's still yours. Or as I told somebody one day, unless you want HR to do it, because they'll (laughs) do it. And so, yeah, baseball cards are the answer. Now, look, baseball cards are a clever little tool that you use in succession planning, but they're not the whole story. And I didn't want to do a five-hour cast on all of succession planning. So we're going to take it piece by piece. I'm going to break it down. I'm going to let everybody get used to each piece, and then we'll gradually build up the rest of it. But yeah, baseball cards are probably one of my favorite all-time tools in corporate organizational life. So in this cast, we'll explain what they are. We'll give you a simple format that you could easily change, no problem. We will actually, we have, by the time this cast is out, we have a executive tools template that you can download and edit to your heart's content. Uh, We call that the executive tools succession planning baseball card prototype. Might be the Honus Wagner of succession planning baseball cards. Actually, it's so trivially simple. Uh, All you have to do is listen to the cast and you'll figure out what's on it and, and how to do it and so on. And um, then we're going to make a recommendation that may be one of my favorite things that ever happened to me in consulting to organizations. And that is, uh, instead of making this an organizational effort, you make it an individual effort and everybody creates their own baseball card. You'll save months and people will be more invested because of it. Well, that's great. Okay. So explain to us uh, football fans, explain what a baseball card is. Yeah, you know, isn't it funny? I I guess it's because when cards became popular, baseball was the pastime, right? Football wasn't. Football didn't really get big until, you know, I mean, the Super Bowl certainly made it big in the 60s in the U.S., but, you know, maybe not until 70s and 80s was it really super big. And by then, yeah, it was was all baseball. Well, we were kids, and and certainly in, I don't know, I was born in in 1960, right? But when I was a kid, Every boy, sorry, ladies, it's not trying to be sexist here, but every boy followed baseball, and every boy had a stack of baseball cards. And uh, shoebox. You, a shoe you box. Took, yeah, shoebox, yeah. right. You took, and you'd take, you take some to school, and you'd trade them, and it was, it was a big deal. Mm-hmm. I think at one point I had a Willie Mays baseball card, and I don't have it anymore. God knows what I did with it, but oh. so sad, so sad. Yeah. Somebody asked Yogi Berra once who the greatest baseball player of all time was, and he said Mickey Mantle. And I was told this story by a friend of mine who had lived in uh, the Northeast. And I said, God, I think, I think it's Willie Mays. He says, no, if, if, if Mickey had been healthy, it would have been Mickey. But, of course, Mickey wasn't healthy. I think you're right. It's Willie Mays, the Sahay kid. Okay, so what are baseball cards? It's a one-page document. I will say some people use the back. I never particularly cared for that. It's designed to capture key highlights of each manager and each key person in your organization. Now, you could you could also extend it down to key future managers, like people who are likely to get promoted in the next couple of years. But in the beginning, you ought to just focus on your managers, who are the key people that hopefully in your organization drive your success if you're an executive. As a general rule, the way you start out with everybody in terms of managers whose performance contributes to your organization, the output of your organization, gets one, okay? 
And it is like an HR file. It is like an annual performance review. It is a standing document that you periodically update and then use to make personnel decisions, typically moves, promotions, developmental opportunities, and so on. And the reason we use them is is a function of the succession planning forum. Now, the succession planning forum is much more important. That's where the discussion happens. But corporations discovered years ago that you have to have something to start the conversation. You can't just throw a name out there and then have people spend five minutes say, yeah, I think I remember her. Yeah, I've been in a couple of meetings with him and so on. Those of you who are longtime listeners, or if you've listened to the Hall of Fame cast, which I tell people about all the time, you've probably listened to the Steel Cage Deathmatch meeting. And that one has both positive and negative implications. In some Steel Cage Deathmatch meetings, heads roll, like we're trying to decide who gets laid off. And in some, heads get crowned. That's more of a succession planning meeting where people go in and there's there's robust discussion about why, you know, why Rebecca should get promoted and not Roberto. You know, why Thomas is ready for more, but Teresa isn't. Right. Or who's going to lead the, the enterprise project that's going on that's going to decide project, the future exactly. of the company? The whole, while keeping their existing job. Yeah, exactly. It'll eat, eat them alive. Yeah. There are a number of firms in the U.S. and actually a couple in Great Britain as well that use General Electric's old nomenclature, which is called Session C, as in Charlie. That's the best process I've ever seen. Now, we're going to talk about Session C or the Steel Cage Deathmatch meeting and how to run one, what happens, and so on in a future cast. But I realized something. If we did that cast and somebody tried to do it and they didn't have baseball cards, it's just not going to work. You're going to have people carrying around HR files and HR doesn't like managers, lowly managers carrying around their, their HR files. So we had to do baseball cards first. And actually many of you are clever enough. You could use the baseball card process and sit down with you and your key directs, senior managers, directors, VPs, whatever, depending upon how high up you are and have what amounts to a rudimentary succession planning discussion. And you could do that one or two times before you actually have a formal one, just to get people used to the idea and to sort of work out some of the kinks that might be in your process. You know, I mentioned GE, uh, Session C. There are a lot of people who are probably laughing, saying, GE, well, that's not a great company. We should focus on Apple and Google and Facebook. I think not. But... Regardless of what you think about GE now, GE's session C's and succession planning and talent development was widely considered to be the greatest in corporate history for probably 30 or 40 years, which is longer than some of the tech companies have been around. And in fact, GE took over from Procter & Gamble's process from succession planning. So... Session C or the steel cage death match or your succession planning meeting, you'd probably meet periodically, maybe twice a year, unless you're part of a very senior team of people and you go to the big table session C or succession planning. And that's where the entire 
top, say, two to 500 managers are reviewed. And if you're close to that one, but you're not in it, you want your process to align with theirs. So if they're meeting twice a year, you want to meet twice a year before they meet. And by the way, some of you are going to start doing this. You're going to be able to get your people, not because they're your people, but because they're good for the organization. You're going to be able to get your people put in the right places in the organization, and you're going to get close to the top and discover your organization doesn't have one. And then your process is going to become your corporate process. And that is immensely better than turning to your VP of HR, your HR business partner, your chief people officer, your chief humanity officer, or whatever they're called nowadays, and saying, hey, whip me up a succession planning process. You need to know what you already know what to do and how to do it and tell them how to implement. And look, guys, if you're wondering about this succession planning meeting, you're an executive. You can make this happen with a snap of your fingers. Put it on your calendar 90 days from now, get the baseball card meeting, baseball card process started, and then sit down with your people and say, hey, look, we've got some information here. Let's talk about all our people openly. Everybody talks about everybody else. Of course, if you're smart, a couple of your best people will have pre-wired some of the other people to support them and their support of their key people. This is how careers happen, folks. Now, the reason you have a baseball card for each manager is simple. If you've got 100 managers and what you bring to a talent deployment or succession, whatever you want to call it, succession planning meeting, Sierra Papa or Sierra Papa Mike, if you bring everybody's 50-page long HR file, you're doomed. That's everyone looking at 5,000 pages worth of data, much of it trivial that you don't understand that's probably coded for HR systems. Uh, no one would go through all that. HR doesn't even go through all that. It's a slush pile that's literally worthless, okay? Now, what a lot of what HR looks at in big companies is digitized. And if you were going to try to get something out of HR, you'd have to figure out what to print. There are some parts they don't like to print, which is silly, but whatever. Why would anybody gather data about managers and then not share it with that manager's boss. I, I the that would idea never that there's some that sort of there's there's some sort of internal privacy. Oh, I, I can't give you his file. Well, he he works for me. Yeah, but there's some delicate stuff in there. Well, you know, yeah, but I can't I can't tell you what it is. I mean, that's that's like a Kafka movie or something. Like really. And then if they have if you have an HRI system, there are some things that don't print well. Basically, a succession planning baseball card is a reasonable accommodation that gives you, the acting uh, line manager, a balance between what you might think you might need and what you can actually tolerate. You can't, everybody can't have files and you can't have everybody have 50 files on their desk. Again, it's a slush pile. I know we'll probably get to it, but is when you write this baseball card, are you writing it? For yourself, or are you writing it so that, such that it can be consumed by others? Because right? I might write it very differently, just a reminder of, to me of what this person has done. But if I have to share it with somebody else, I probably have to write it differently. Yeah. Well, first of all, you're implying that 
it, like, Mike, if you're my boss, you're going to write mine, but you're not. I'm mm-hmm. going to write mine, right? And of course, by definition, it's a communication device. So you communicate in a way that the listener will understand. So if you put a whole bunch of technical stuff on there that nobody else understands, you're not going to get any traction. So you have to translate whatever you do into value for the organization. But here's the analogy. If you're asking about tone or about about approach for a, a baseball card, the simplest way to think about it is it's very unlikely that someone's performance review is written in a way that other people don't understand. And now I'm talking about the written portion of the performance review where all the numbers are gone and so on, which is all probably pap anyway. Everybody gets max numbers and there's nothing really fancy there. But the key, the three or four key descriptions and measures that are known against the standard, that those parts, by definition, they're written in a way that can be understood by other people. If you're smart, if you know Mike's my boss and he's writing my review and he's going to re- show it to his boss, you want your boss to be able to understand it. So that said, when I'm doing my own baseball card, you'll probably tell them, hey, this is going to be seen by 50 other managers. So don't get too arcane, don't mm-hmm. get so far down in the weeds that you lose value. But you can see the undertone here that the value is not your financial genius. The value is not your technical genius. The value is organizational results, right? right. right. So typically those don't need too much translation. Right. And so those who are great communicators probably have an advantage here if they get to write oh. their own baseball card. And so if you're not a great communicator, you might want to become one. Yeah, saying. or or talk to a buddy. Show him your first draft. Show her your first draft. Say, what do you think? And I wouldn't have any problem. I would I would assume people would ask me, and I'd be like, dude, this is terrible. This is horrible. <laughs> and in the famous episode from Seinfeld where Kramer gets a job for which he isn't even paid, he hands in a report, and his boss says, Kramer, I'm, I'm not even sure what this is. Right. One of the all-time great episodes. All-time great, yeah. So if you're doing succession planning right, baseball cards, particularly if you follow our guidance and have the individual whose card you're talking about create him or herself, they'll be carefully prepared, but they'll also be surprisingly quickly prepared. And it's just a great antidote to that HR slush pile. Now, I have had a couple people when I've mentioned this and they've written me and said we're gonna, they're going to start, and so I've talked them through baseball cards and so on. They said, HR wants to be involved in the meeting. They're going to bring all the files. They're going to want to brief us, and if we have questions, we can ask them because they've got a what this guy called a, quote, close hold, unquote, on the files. I, I don't know what HR has in mind that – executives don't sit around talking about the talents and weaknesses of all of their managers all the time. That literally is the key thing executives do. But regardless, uh, I I told all those people who asked me that, I said, no, HR doesn't get to do that. HR doesn't get to talk. I'm not saying your HR business partner shouldn't be in the meeting. I want him or her in the meeting. They're they're smart. They've got uh, input. They've got ideas. They've got suggestions. But we're not making this a thing where HR is controlling data and will brief us on it. And the reason why is succession planning meetings, session C, steel cage, death match, whatever, need to be a 
concentrated effort that represents the ongoing types of discussions that executives have about the talents and developmental areas of their people. The, you have to be comfortable having these discussions. You know, hey, we, we've talked about Mark before. He's not in the weeds enough. He doesn't know enough details. We need to give him a job where he's going to learn that he's going to have to do the details, or he's going to have to recognize that that next promotion for him is going to be really hard. Those, those are the kinds of things that need to be discussed in a succession planning meeting. And if you're always relying on somebody else to brief you, your people will start coming to these meetings and just say, okay, what are we going to be told? You want that process of discussing the talent in your organization. You want that happening outside of these meetings among other directors, senior directors, VPs, senior managers, and so on. And I just think there are too many places where HR doesn't want that happening. And so they want to be involved in succession planning. And another thing, if HR wants to get involved in your succession planning and they say, you know, if it's succession planning, it's ours. And so therefore we're going to be there. Just don't call it succession planning. Just tell your people, we're going to have a talent discussion meeting and just let's all sit together and use our baseball cards that magically appeared without any help from any staff department. And Let's talk about our people on a regular basis. You and I do it all the time. Yeah, exactly. It's so simple. Why would you not do it? Yeah, and I'll mention this as sort of a grace note. You'll probably be the first non-senior senior exec that implements the baseball card process in succession planning. People wait for their organizations to do stuff, and this this is one of the weaknesses of executive development, people wait for the company to say, well, you're, you have responsibility for that now. When in fact, it usually happens much sooner than that. It's much more gradual. And no one will stop you. In my opinion, if you do this and your directs experience what happens in the organization, we promise you that every one of your directs will do it as their careers progress. And they'll tell their friends and their colleagues about it. They'll talk about carrying around their binder of baseball cards, getting ready for your steel cage deathmatch meetings. And they'll name you as a person that taught them all this greatness. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You'll not be you, first not you Mark Horseman. When they get promoted. You, the manager that's listening. Right yeah, now. that's right. Not me. Yeah, not me. It's not about me, guys. It's about you. Okay. So what, what, is, what is a baseball card? What's the format? All right. Different companies have different choices, obviously. Uh, we have some simple recommendations based on my previous work helping companies build them. First of all, first rule, follow your company design. Whatever your, co your company does in terms of succession planning at levels above you, use that format. We've seen lower level executives use something different. And usually it's much more detailed, which in our experience doesn't work. I mean, it works in theory when you're thinking about each professional with their own baseball card and you want that level of granularity. But it doesn't work when you scale that work across all 50 or 75 of the managers you have to discuss and review. And if you use the companies, that means you will you may be able to get HR's help for stuff that's on it. Uh, if, in fact, you have a good enough relationship and you can also avoid the imperial entanglement of them taking over your meeting. And, you know, like I've said imperial entanglement several times on our cast, and no one ever gives me props for <laughs> 
calling out a Star Wars line from. I just think it's it's just so obvious. It's not even worthy yeah. worthy of mention. Uh, Obi Wan <laughs> Kenobi's one of his first meetings with Han Solo. You think you know? We want to avoid Im- any Imperial entanglements, and I think Han Solo says, "Yeah, that's that's the ticket, isn't it? That's the trick, isn't it?" Yeah. Anyway, so you want to avoid the Imperial entanglement of HR if you can. Although I think now I'm really in trouble because I just compared the Imperial. I just compared HR to. Um, yeah, great. Moving Darth on. Vader. Nothing. nothing <laughs> yeah, anyway. Yeah, on. nothing. Yeah, nothing to see here, folks. Uh, these are not the droids you're interested in. And the other thing is, once you get to the big show, you'll be really comfortable with the process they're using there. Second thing, keep it simple. Don't lard your first edition down with 85 points of interest. And then, because it's simple, be willing to iterate. You know, it'd be, you know, at the end of the meeting, you do a what went well, take a look at, and you say, you know, I really, we could have used, attached to this, the, the people's last couple of performance reviews. Yep, there are people who do that. Succession planning, though, let's be clear, is not about the baseball card. It's about finding out where your talent is, developing it, and getting it to a place that both develops the professional and improves the performance of the organization. Whatever you do, don't get wrapped up in your tool. Okay, third rule, use our prototype just to get started. I don't care if your prototype looks anything like ours after a couple of iterations, but gee whiz, don't reinvent the wheel. And by the way, ours is intentionally ugly. Okay, we did not format it pretty. We don't want people looking in and saying, ooh, use, they use just the right font style and, and everything. It's, it's, it's slick and so on. You don't need that. You really don't need that. After your second or third iteration, it might look slick. But then people are going to start falling in love with the form. And it's not the form that matters. It's the function. Okay, here's what you do. Gather your directs together. 20-minute meeting after you've sent them our prototype and say, this is kind of what I'm thinking, okay? If you want to get fancy, take it to the next level, fill the prototype out for you versus just listing categories and topics. Tell your guys, your folks, the purpose of the meeting is to make changes to the prototype based on their experience, anything they think should be added, stuff they think maybe should be taken off what they and you know about your company values, culture, HR processes, and policies. Simple, okay? Now, what's on our prototype? Well, luckily, since you're by definition a licensee, we can tell you, come to the website and download your executive tools, succession planning, baseball card, prototype, the Mike, Tango, Sierra, Papa, Bravo, Charlie, Tango. It's an MS Word template, easy peasy. Uh, it's copyrighted, but we know you're going to make changes just to make it more, and you're going to make it more effective for your organization. That's good. Let, you know, but send it to us after you've iterated a couple of times so we can share it more broadly with other licensees. What does it look like generally? Easy. Top left corner, photograph. Okay. Just a headshot. Two inches wide by two and a half inches tall. Doesn't have to be a formal headshot. Don't have people go to glamour shots. <laughs> Okay, let people choose whatever they want that clearly shows their face. Do not let people say, I'm not comfortable with my, my photo on there. You do not have any expectations of privacy in organizations, let alone an organization documentation that's about their careers. Human beings are particularly adept 
at a very, very deep level at seeing and understanding other human beings' faces and facial expressions. Okay? Uh, I had somebody once say, you know, I don't really want pictures on there. I said, you know, we're, we're trying to be careful. I said, you have pictures on everybody's badges. I said, yeah, but that's different. That's safety. I said, no, it's not. There's no guards. All they have to do is swipe in and out. Those machines don't read their faces. Yeah, I was like, yeah, oh, okay. And uh, HR sometimes says you can't, you can't have faces on it. They want to protect some potential ism, like, oh, you, you'd be a racist if you put people's skin color on their, on their thing. Um, but if one thing has lost its sting in the last five years, we're recording this in 2022, it's the idea that someone would call you a racist. It almost proves you're not. You know, that's not the point of the exercise anyway. If you have 100 managers to review, names will not be enough. Data without a picture will not be enough. And you need to help people. Some of your managers are a level or two down. You need to help them, for those people that they don't know, be able to find them in meetings and pay attention to them because now these people are being evaluated. One of the things that's going to happen as you start the succession process with baseball card creation is you will start having managers thinking about, Who's ready now? Who's ready next? And you won't have to do it all yourself and rely on a couple of snippets from somebody who thinks they were in a meeting with that guy you're talking about. Everybody will be attuned to the concept of talent development, talent growth, talent gaps, and so on, which we all should have been, but a lot of times people are not. Okay, top right section to the right of the picture. It's basically administration. Name, role, email address, cell number, sort of like administration on a resume, maybe a little bit more. Uh, Could be family names, spouse, partner, children, home address. Again, we've got another case here where some orgs get uncomfortable about putting this kind of data in various places. But all that is based on, it's predicated on fear and lack of trust and I know lots of execs who used to carry their baseball card binder with them. And we used to joke that if there was a natural disaster and we needed to use our phone tree, our succession planning baseball cards would would do the trick pretty, pretty well. But look, why would you have all that stuff locked away and not trust the managers and executives who need it to understand the people that they're talking about? Uh, why would you not want it in a usable format? Well, to some degree, It's part of the reason why so many documents are top secret in Washington, D.C. that shouldn't be. Uh, When people control information, they control the discussion, the narrative about it. And organizations are much more fluid. Managers and executives ought to be much more able to have the information they need to make intelligent decisions about the future of the organization. As a general rule, it's been our experience that after you put the picture in, the admin section on the right ends up being roughly the same length as the the picture on the left, the same height, if you will. And so that leaves you, the remainder of the paper is about six inches tall by obviously roughly eight inches wide. I don't know the exact measurements of A4, so you'll have to forgive me for that. The next section is job role and history. It typically is their most recent job sort of in a reverse chronological order. Their job, maybe who they work for, 
basically you want to think of a seriously slimmed down work history section of a resume, but it, again, still reverse chronological. Title, uh, sometimes orgs, boss names, maybe not all the jobs, maybe just the last three. Not all of the accomplishment bullets, maybe just one or two, the top two significant ones. I got to tell you, if you see somebody's baseball card and they have had the top two bullets from every part of their resume put onto this slimmed down version, you can tell people who have a puffed up resume when you look at their accomplishments, and this is a, a distillation of the resume, which is already a distillation of their career, and you discover not only do you not really understand what these accomplishments are, but you don't think they're in any way impressive. That's a good sign that they haven't done that much or done that well. And sometimes there's a subsection about you know, possible future roles. And there's a list of three or four or five roles that they might might be considered for. Generally speaking, if you look at it, that section, the job history, work history, roles section, takes up somewhere between 25% and 40%. Depends, some people less, some people more, uh, of the remaining white space in the bottom two-thirds now of your, of your baseball card. Usually next is, I say usually next, often Next, there is a strengths and weaknesses section, side by side, sort of like a what went well, take a look at chart, usually filled in by their boss, but it can be filled in by the individual, typically later brought up in discussion and refined by the larger executive group, nothing fancy, no long sentences. It would be bad form to put something on a baseball card that hadn't been discussed with the owner of the card, the, the person who the card's about. And this section, by the way, strengths and weaknesses, also can take up 25 to 40% of the remainder of the white space. Last area, other areas of interest, different in different companies. Virtually every baseball card we've ever seen has all the stuff above. But there's usually some more org metrics from performance reviews. I know a lot of companies now that are putting them in apps and they you can call up a person's baseball card on your phone and it live populates certain numbers from their performance review if their performance review system is truly automated. Personal interests, educational background, experience at previous firms, those kinds of things. And don't be afraid to add stuff that you think might be interesting. And there's nothing wrong with trying a couple of succession planning meetings and saying after a couple, you know what? We never talk about this stuff. I thought it'd be useful, but it's really not. If you think you're going to try to make it perfect, there are two problems with that. One, it will take you too long to create the template. And why wouldn't you want to get to what's important, which is discussing strengths and weaknesses and figuring out moves you're going to make? That's the real juice here, not the card. But the, the second thing is, if you try to make it perfect, and I don't know why people don't talk about this more, and maybe it's just me, and please feel free to write me, mahorstman at manager-tools.com. But I don't know why people don't talk about the fact that if you try to make it perfect when you start, before you ever fill it in, then you think you've achieved perfection, and then you become rigid about it, and you're not willing to make changes. And let me tell you something, when it comes to organizational life, 
everything always changes. In fact, I'm pretty sure that's true of human life, right, Mike? Isn't yeah. that, yeah. you know, the one constant is change. So people always tell me things like, oh, my job hasn't changed in 10 years. And I say, let me see wow. your phone. <laughs> let me see your phone. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I bet you got 20 apps on there that you use for work. Yeah, your job is changing all the time. If it were true, it wouldn't say much about your organization. <laughs> that would that would suggest that your organization exactly. hasn't changed. That's not good. Yeah, the, the buggy whip industry. Yeah. Now, again, guys, don't overthink this first edition of your baseball card. It's not important that some folks send in something that's not perfect. You come up with a template, and then they do it themselves. Make adjustments. Don't try to avoid having to make any adjustments by making it perfect the first time. There are a lot of parts of the baseball card you're going to iterate. It'll be fine. And then but my la our last piece of guidance is maybe one of my best innovations I can ever remember seeing happen in real time at a client. My firm, my previous firm, Horseman Company, was working for an executive, big firm, strong bunch of talented folks. He wanted to promote them, get them ready to be promoted, figure out who he's going to move where, and then do the chessboard, chessboard moves to get them there. He wanted a plan for how that would happen over the next year. We put together a fairly straightforward succession planning process using, obviously, baseball cards. And when HR got involved, we were told uh, the cards would take three to four months because they had other stuff to do. What's funny about that is HR believed that this is a way to maintain and exert control and influence on the process. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, that backfired. <laughs> the, the exec couldn't wait. I said, why do we need HR to do it? He said, well, they've got controls and stuff. You can ask for stuff. If this guy works in your organization, ask for his last couple of performance reviews. You'll be fine. Okay? I told him, look, everybody knows most of this stuff about themselves, they can mine their own performance reviews for key stuff. They have to have them, tell them. And by the way, there were about 80 managers in his organization. We're going to start a succession planning process for all of us managers here in, in his organization was DPMW, Delta Papa, Mike, Dash Whiskey. Attach is a template for you to fill out and get back to me by the end of this week. Nothing fancy. Don't try to impress me with five pages. It's only one page. Just the facts as we ask for them. We'll probably ask for some edits or updates early next week based on what we got back from everyone. Well, now this guy was a VP. He, he got them all back before Friday. He didn't tell managers to tell their people to tell their people to their people. He did a rare thing and sent an email to everybody and say, your bosses know this. I want, perform I want uh, baseball cards. And we called them baseball cards. And I guess everybody was like, everybody wanted to talk to me about the dang baseball cards. He says, that's cool. They call them baseball cards. I said, dude, I didn't make that up. It's been around for a long time. So we got them all back. We looked at them over the weekend. We sent out some small updates, ask everyone to tighten things up. By Wednesday, some of the managers got smart and helped some of their best folks make sure theirs really shone, really shined. And 10 days after we had agreed to do it, we had all the raw material we needed to have a meeting in a couple of weeks to figure out who to get where. Now, were they perfect? No. Were some better than others? Yeah. Did it matter? No. Now, what went wrong with HR? Well, folks, they wanted to control the process. Now, some HR folks, meanwhile, they're like, I want to control the process because I know what's happening at levels higher than you that you don't. 
And that's certainly fine, but it seems weird that they want to control the process, but they're not going to tell you what they're controlling it for. That seems, I don't know, that bugs me at some level. But look, even the best HR people don't control the process at higher levels. They advise it. They support it. But it's the line managers who actually control it. And frankly, at the time, my sense of it was that HR's interest in control was born of a belief that all this should have been completely private to begin with, decided only by the most senior HR and executives in the organization, which is just not so. I promise you, if you have 100 managers in your organization and you're in a 50,000, 75,000 person organization, big company, not all of your managers are being looked at in the company's steel cage deathmatch or session C meetings. But that doesn't mean you can't. And because your senior people are doing it, you should be doing it as well. The fact that nobody's helping you, do it yourself. Tie your own shoes. The idea to me that performance data and job history and education are somehow protected subjects or that privacy even really kind of exists related to performance and promotability in large organizations is, is ludicrous to me. And Bottom line is you can get what you want out of a simple process that you can completely control that includes baseball cards. Yeah, pretty cool stuff. Yeah. So summarizing, as an exec, you play a huge role in the careers, think internal job moves, of your managers and other key performers. Baseball cards are easy and fast and a great way to keep track of the talent and also the talent development. And if you see a baseball card out there with a picture of Kurt Gibson on it, you can file that one under Slugger. Yeah, these baseball cards remind me of, from when I was at MCI, one of the, the president of the consumer division who I worked for, um, not directly at this point. And he had, uh, kind of a smart guy, even though he's a former Air Force pilot, regardless, oh, he, still was, he still was pretty good. Smart guy, despite yeah. all that. And he had this reputation of going into meetings, traveling across the country, going to a meeting of directors, VPs, senior managers, et cetera, and knowing everybody. And I got to travel with him one time and sit next to him. And what did he do? He pulled up his binder of baseball cards and he knew he knew ahead of time who he's going to meet with. So why would he not want to know something about them? That's, that's the way he saw it. Like I, I'm, not trying to impress anybody i'm meeting with people people matter i want to know something about them when i meet them and and, yeah. they, and every one of those people thought they were just the bee's knees because he made them feel important and people would do anything for him it was very impressive yeah and it's not hard and that's available to anybody if they're willing to do a little extra yeah cool thanks my friend that's excellent oh thanks partner take care